It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, April 7th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is excited for the Frozen Four this weekend. Yeah, it's a shame I'm not there. I went last year. I go every once in a while. I love it. It's one of the great events. It really is. I love the bands. I love the energy. Yeah, it should be a fun weekend up in Boston, and we'll talk about it on the show today. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's everybody doing out there? I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. You can find my co-host here, Russ Cohen, at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow Locked On Flyers on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. We're going to talk about the Lou Nolan tribute and get ready for part two of our back-to-back against Columbus. We're going to talk about the Frozen Four, like we said at the top of the show, and then do our Thursday prospect profile on draft-eligible prospect Danila Yurov. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So Russ, we were talking before we started recording and you know getting ready for the show. We're saying, hey, this Lou Nolan tribute is going to be amazing. Looking forward to it this weekend. And both of us were like, Oh, wait, Lou's the guy that normally emcees these things. Who's going to emcee it for Lou Nolan's tribute? Yeah, it, it was brought up to me yesterday at the game by Mike Luongo, a longtime uh, radio guy in Philly. And I looked at him and said, I don't know, Mike. It can't be him. And I really you know, wasn't really thinking about it. And it's good that they have figured that out. Yeah, so it will be Jim Jackson and Steve Coates. Uh, I think two worthy individuals to pay tribute to Lou Nolan. They've both been around the team for a very long time and are quite familiar with Lou and and have spent some quality time with him. So I'm very excited to see what they come up with for this one. Yeah, this will be great. Uh, we, We were pushing for this for a while on this show, and it's nice. I mean, Lou has just been there. He's the mainstay. He's the voice. And you just, you know, he had this coming. He, you had to do this, and I'm glad they're doing it now. He's been through all of this, the constant, and he's just such a nice man. I run into him all the time. I, I chat with him a lot, and, I, you know, just a great guy. Yeah, it's the 50th anniversary of his taking over as PA announcer for the Flyers. He's been there through thick and thin, through almost every single game in that period he's missed a few here and there but yeah uh, for for the most part he's been that guy they're going to do some video tributes to him uh, the team is going to be wearing nolan jerseys for warm-ups with uh, like patches it. on their regular jerseys during the game which i love when when they do that and uh, i think they're going to put number 50 on all those warm-up jerseys as well for the 50th anniversary and you're right i think both of us were at least somewhat disappointed when he didn't get the nod for the flyers hall of fame this year but 
at least they're doing something to acknowledge this anniversary. And it sounds like they'll do another bang up job as they usually do for these ceremonies. So I'm very excited. Yeah, I just hope they, you know, they won't do this. But if I were doing it, I would include a couple of his funny flubs because I, I, yeah. <laughs> I giggle at those now. I do. Because like, look, we all screw up pronunciations and once in a while he does too. And it's funny when he does. And everybody on Press Row is, is aware when he does too. And it's just, it's a hard job. Like it is because there's a million hockey names. They're all hard. So we just kind of like it. Yeah, and when you're the guy announcing things like goals against or penalties against the Flyers and, you know, people will naturally boo those things. Oh, and yeah. He takes it like he knows it's nothing personal. And, you know, especially when, you know, he has to announce goals from like Sidney Crosby oh, yeah. or Alex Ovechkin or Tom Wilson. I'm sure that doesn't go over well. Uh, with Flyers fans, and he, he's really good. And um, I actually got to hear him uh, for the Salt Lake Olympics. He was one of the PA announcers for the hockey there. And uh, I remember hearing his voice being like, wait a minute, I know that man. Uh, 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 uh. And uh, it, was, it was great that they brought him in for that. Um, do you have any particular favorite memories of Lou's announcing? I, I don't have one that I could kind of pick out it's just we've definitely had some moments in the press box in the elevator but i just can't i can't pick one out i honestly can't even game wise i they all kind of run together a little bit i was at the infamous uh, stay classy game, oh yeah so was playoff i game. Yeah. so that was definitely a memorable one and they you know they made a t-shirt for it so it must have been important i remember that i may still have that t-shirt actually yeah, I definitely have that T-shirt, and I know I have that bracelet in a drawer somewhere because I did not throw it. Right. Yeah, that was when they had the um, – it was probably not the first – yeah, maybe it was the first one when they started doing the illuminating light shows yep. at games. Yeah, yep. and I was I was at that game covering it, and yeah, I remember, and it got littered. Yep. Yeah, well, I certainly hope they put it in the video tribute. I, yes. I, I question whether or not they will, but hopefully they do it. Fans would look forward to that. Absolutely. All right. So we have a little bit of time before that game on Saturday when they do the tribute at home. The Flyers are on the road for the back to back against Columbus. And I think there's a couple of things they can do tonight that they didn't on Tuesday. Uh, I would say shot accuracy would be number one on my list. Yeah, no question. I mean, you know, everybody was missing shots. That's a big one. An another one would be, honestly, they do need to make this tweak on the power play and somebody has to decide to shoot. Whether it's going to be York, whether it's going to be somebody else, but if York's going to pass and Hayes is going to pass and Atkinson's going to pass, they got a problem. Because one of those three guys has to shoot. Yeah, I think Atkinson did take some shots on the power play, but... I think they were definitely fewer yeah. and farer between, if that's a real word. <laughs> yeah, close enough. But it was. He didn't take enough, and, and none of them did. And and they really have to do that because you can't go 0 for 4 on the power play really against anybody and expect to win. But Columbus is always going to play games tight. Like, they they actually have some big bruising defensemen. You know, Wierenski can be tough. Gavrikov could be very tough. Uh they have skilled guys. You know, Line A didn't even put up a point in that game. So, you know, Roslovic's good. They, they have players. 
And they will adjust. I mean, there's no way the Flyers are going to get that many shots on goal in no. this game again. And so I think they're going to have to take advantage of more of, of the opportunities that they provide for themselves in this one. Because, yeah, there's just no way they're getting remotely close to to the 49 shots I think they got. No, they need to go net from more. I know that that's a cliche, but it still holds true. They definitely need to do that. And... They really need to protect the house better. Like, uh, I could tell it's not been a great game if Carter Hart comes out post game and the baseball hat's just above the eyes, like you could barely see his <laughs> eyes. That's, That's how you know point. it's not been. Yeah, that is a definite tell for him. It is, and so I would like to see them protect the house better. All right, I hope the Flyers can win one tonight in Columbus so we can celebrate Lou Nolan in style going into that game this weekend. We're going to switch gears and talk about the Frozen Four coming up next, but first we're going to hear about our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championships, odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from all of our local experts, including us. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. It's frozen for weekend, Russ. I'm so excited. We are finally here. I never like it that they have an extra week in between Mm -mm. the regionals and the frozen four. It feels like I've been waiting forever for this one. So we are starting up tonight in Boston for this year's Frozen Four. And the final is on Saturday night. Uh, Broadcast is on ESPN2 or ESPNU or your ESPN Plus streaming service. So very easy if you are already subscribed for Flyers games to tune into these as well. The first matchup at five tonight is Denver versus Michigan. And man, can I not wait for this one. Uh, This is going to be... The best game for sure. Uh, it's going to be hard for for Denver. They're a good team, but Michigan is really stacked. And other coaches have been talking about this. And just because you have the roster doesn't mean they're all going to play together. But they really do. Like Owen Power does everything for them. But then Luke Hughes is kind of like that super duper offensive defenseman for them. That mm-hmm. you know gives them that extra even scoring punch at five on five because he's such a threat to either go around you or or score with a slap shot. Portillo's really solid. I mean, Brendan Brisson is probably their most underrated star on the team. You know, Samuskevich plays, and he's he's the young guy, barely gets talked about, but he's been given some scoring punch. You got Kent Johnson, you got Matty Beniers. Like, they're just loaded. And and their veterans are good. Like, they have good veterans. Pastajov is excellent. So I really think it's going, it's going to be tough for Denver, and hopefully Bobby Brink does really well. They have some other guys, too. Uh, you know, Carter Savoy is is Matthew's brother. That's, you know, so there's a lot of talent in that Savoy family. 
Yeah. Uh, going back to Michigan, you mentioned Eric Portillo in net. And he's somebody, you know, when we've talked about this tournament, we haven't really mentioned him mm-hmm. yet. And he has been rock solid in this tournament. He's uh, from Sweden and is a Sabres prospect. And think that he's probably, at least for me, the unsung hero of this team. I think, you, you know, it's fair to say because he's got a very solid glove hand. He really doesn't overplay the puck. He's good at clearing it, but he's one of these guys that he makes the right save at the right time. The team has a load of confidence in him, a load. And and you're right. When you play confidently with your goalie and the goalie's good, it does a lot for the team. It really does. So I I couldn't agree with you more, and I honestly think he's, he's going to come out after this uh, Frozen Four. So he's probably going to put it all on the line. Yeah, it's interesting for me for this Michigan team because last year they had to leave the tournament because of COVID and so they couldn't finish it out. So they're on a mission. And yet at the same time, I feel like they might have had the easier path to the Frozen Four than maybe some of the other teams. You know, they faced American International and Quinnipiac. Not that those are bad teams. I mean, they all made the tournament. But if you look at Denver, who had to win against UMass Lowell and Minnesota Duluth, who they had lost to in their conference tournament, I feel like Denver has climbed a taller mountain to get there because, you know, Denver's in the mountains. But um. I think there's something to that. But I will say that um, like Quinnipiac is a really good team. Like they they. They played them as well as anybody could play them. I get saying about that about AIC. And even they, considering there's no drafted players, did amazing because of their coach. But And players who just put it all on the line, some older players. So you're right about that If as far as the level of it. Um, but in the end, right now, with these two teams matching up, it's a daunting task for, for Denver. They could do it, but they're going to have to limit mistakes. And you're going to have to really... The problem with Michigan is you could play them really, really tight in a game, and the minute they score one goal, they could score another one right after it. Like, it's just, it's hard to hold them back an entire game. I watched two full games of teams trying to do their best to kind of like hold off the dam with their offense. It's very hard to do. Well, it's interesting because all of the teams in the final four for this Frozen Four won their tournament games to get to this point by one goal there were no blowouts there was there was no high scoring battle there was no really no more than three goals by any team uh, to get to this point so you can see where you know teams like Denver who are known for high powered offense yet they managed to get to this point by playing a really solid two-way game and kind of shutting down other teams as well yeah and and also um Denver gets, uh, they, they get a lot from a lot of younger players. Um, defenseman Shai Boom, uh, there's Jack Devine there. These are really young players that have produced for them this year. They're probably going to get need to get production from a lot of players. Well, of course, I will be rooting for Denver because of Bobby Brink, but I won't be mad if, if Michigan wins at all. I got to say, I mean, I it's historic, right? It. Yeah. It, either way, <laughs> either way, you really can't lose in that sense because you might be watching just like maybe the best team ever put together for college hockey. Like maybe. 
could be. And uh, I should note that uh, Bobby Brink is a Hobie Baker finalist. They narrowed it down to the top three we mentioned on the show previously. And that announcement is coming uh, late Friday afternoon. So we will know uh, this weekend whether Bobby Brink has a national championship and a Hobie Baker. And perhaps if he's signing with the Flyers right away. So it could be a whirlwind of a weekend. Well, there's no reason to think he won't. Let's put it that way. All right. The other matchup on the other side of the bracket is Minnesota versus Minnesota State. And that's always great when you have an intrastate rivalry in one of these tournaments. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I would say most most eyes, though, are on Matthew Nyes because... He's had a great year. I, you know, I saw him back in World Junior Camp. He's a Leafs prospect. The Leafs are basically kind of like waiting around with a pen and paper the minute the series ends to sign him. Uh, Brock Faber is a world-class defenseman mm-hmm. already. Like he's just doesn't make mistakes, smart. Um, you know, Bryce Brzezinski, the Flyers prospect, is very good. He could play an all-around game, but he's got a good shot. It's going to be hard. See... I look at this, and, and I think Dryden McKay is really good in net for Minnesota State, and I know Minnesota State is um, probably got the edge in um, in seniors, but I'm still going to go with Minnesota because I think, like, Nyes is a difference maker, especially in this tournament. He's been scoring, and then Ben Myers, like, he's going to get signed the minute he gets out. There's conflict conflicts about that. I, I was talking to some insiders, and I, I covered him in a camp, and I think he's pretty good. I don't know if he's NHL really good. We'll find that out. But in this tournament, he's really good. Well, Ben Myers is one of the other Hobie Baker finalists um, for Minnesota. And then Dryden McKay, who's the third Hobie finalist, plays for Minnesota State. So we have all three finalists in the final four of this tournament. Which is incredible if you think about it. Like that's that's probably the way it should be. Although... I, I still don't know how Matty Beniers didn't get in there, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm sure Kraken fans feel that way too. But in the end, I think I, I have to go with Minnesota here. I just think it's going to be too tall of a of a game for uh, Mankato to to win. Yeah, and you know another kind of unsung hero goaltender is Justin Close for Minnesota who took over for Jack LaFontaine, who we know mm-hmm. left school just mid-season to sign with the Carolina Hurricanes. He got which paid. Which was, I think, a little bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, well, I guess that he decided that's what he wanted to do, which, fair, I, I do not fault him for that. But I think, you know, it gave Justin Close this amazing opportunity, and look where he is. Yes, it, it gave him an amazing opportunity, and LaFontaine can play. I just think about it, like, I think if it were me, I know that I feel like I could win a championship but I don't know if I'm ever getting another chance to sign an NHL contract. So I have to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I could never fault the kid for doing it, right? Yep. Another guy to keep an eye on in this game is Jake Livingstone, who's a college-free agent, plays for Minnesota State. And I think, you know, there's a lot of interest in him. Yeah. The thing is, these days, I want to say, if you went back five years – you would get a few signings. You know, you get three, four, five signings. Now you're getting a lot more. We're almost getting three a day, right? But that's because just the way the the draft is now and the development cycle, it's still about four or five years on average. I know you see some prospects sooner. And so these guys bridge the gap. And sometimes they can come up and fill depth roles on your NHL squads. But many times they're the mainstays in your AHL team for a while until some of your other prize prospects come along so they're they're important and so yeah you could get these guys they're free signings right they're just 
They're out there. You didn't you didn't have to spend a draft pick on them. Go get them. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the draft, we're going to talk about a draft eligible prospect in Danila Yurov coming up next. Uh, just one more fun fact about this Frozen Four. All four head coaches for these teams have never won a championship as a head coach. So it's going to be a first time win for one of these guys. Uh, we'll see who it is. It's going to be Michigan. But we'll see. I wish them all <laughs> we'll luck. See. All right, moving toward the draft, we are going to talk about Danila Yurov on today's prospect profile. He's 18 years old. Uh, as the name might suggest, he's over in Russia, and he has split his time the last couple of years between the junior MHL League and the KHL. Uh, he's currently ranked a pretty wide 5 to 15 amongst the experts. And he's seen as a good skater with great puck management and a playmaker. And it's been interesting because he's been absolutely lights out at the MHL level with mm -hmm. 36 points in 23 games. But then when they moved him up to the KHL, they're not really giving him a ton of ice time to make any no. impact. So his stats are absolutely minimal. And so, like, why move him up and give him no ice time is my big biggest question. Well... It's a great question, but the way that league works is whoever they spend the most money on gets the most ice time. And then once in a while, a star will just arise that you can't ignore. But a lot of times with these kids, they're using them in minimal roles. You know, they're not getting power play time. They're definitely not getting uh, first or second power, not first power play, maybe like 10, 20, 30 seconds on the second, but most times not. And then a lot of times they're third liners, sometimes even fourth liners. But if you're that kid, you're not going to turn it down. But the team's kind of, you know, they have a salary cap now in the KHL. So they're kind of using them as depth talent. But this kid can play. Like this this guy is a scorer and a playmaker. He could he could drive play um, from the wing. And, and he's got great two-step quickness. The biggest thing is, before we even get back into his skills, is like I have him around 12, which means you slot him about anywhere from – Five spots after, it could be 12 to 17 in the draft, something like that. But now I kind of wonder with what's going on with Russia and mm -hmm. Ukraine, how that's going to affect players. Now, I am sure it's going to affect more fringe guys that would be like second, third, fourth. They, they may not even get drafted or go until the seventh round. But a kid like this who has definite um, eyes on the NHL, there's going to be a time where he will be drafted. And the reason I bring this guy up is not because – the Flyers should take him with their first pick, but would he slip to them at some point or would they be able to make a trade and get another pick to get a guy like this? You have to keep an eye on players like this because you never know how far a guy's going to fall, especially if teams have gotten, you know, gun shy, for lack of a better term, uh, on taking a Russian player. So all that aside, uh, we don't know. Like there is no good indicator on what's going to happen with teams and how they pick these kids. I've asked my source is over there, and nobody seems to know. So with the great unknown, we know for sure he's talented, and he's got a heavy wrist shot, a really slick one-timer. He looked great in the World Juniors for the couple of games he had before he it was did. canceled. He really did. He was, a sh And I so when he plays against his talent, as you pointed out, he's top of the heap. Like, he, he could play against his talent pool. When he's playing against the older guys, he has to have a little more help as far as, you know, placement, maybe a little sheltering got to give him a little more chance to shine but i 
he could he's definitely an NHL talent someday. Do you think he needs to get bigger in order to be successful against the grownups? Or is it just like it'll take time? I think he might need to get a little stronger, but I don't know if his game is predicated on that so much because he's got such good stick handling that it will be hard to to corral him. And he's one of those guys, like if he's on the power play, he's he's really deadly, whether it's his wrist shot or his or his uh, one-timer. He He's a terrific passer, so even if he's around the net, he could make that behind, you know, backhand pass in the crease. So he's one of those guys that I think stays out of trouble from getting like plastered against the glass. So, I, you know, he'll, he'll, like any other player, he's not going to have his man strength yet. But I don't know yet if, if he's like a long-term, long-term guy. It still might take him four years just based on what's going on in the world, but it might not otherwise. So you talked a lot about his offensive skill and his playmaking ability. How is he on the defensive side of the puck? I mean, for as much as I can tell, and that's the harder part to gauge, seems like it's okay. I can't tell you if it's great. I can't tell you if it's below par. I don't have a great feel for that. But just for what I've seen in, in the little bit of game action and, and a lot of footage is it seems like it's it's at least good. So I think that's the key thing. There's no way he would play 21 games in the KHL if it was bad. I would, right. you know, I could definitely say that for sure. Right. Well, it seems like a fascinating case study to look at, just regardless of who ends up picking him. You yeah, know, because I mean, we'll... maybe the Flyers trade down. Maybe they say, "Hey, yeah. we don't want the sixth pick. We'll take the twelfth or thirteenth or fourteenth pick and a second rounder, and mm-hmm. then you know, you get this guy." I think that's a definite possibility, especially given, you know, if you look at all the prospects we've covered and you, there's definitely a, a, a tier system forming amongst these prospects. And so yes. you have Shane Wright, then you have like the two to five guys, maybe two to mm-hmm. six. Mm-hmm. And then you have a whole batch of like maybe 10 to 12 guys that could go anywhere at that yes. point. It seems like that's what's developing from you know various lists out there and so trading down is not a terrible idea unless you get the number one overall it's not but if the flyers talk around and they get a feeling that it's a matter of who blinks first then they're just going to sort of wait out and see how far he could drop you know but i I, i'm just feeling with him it's not going to happen but i do feel i don't think with him or miroshenko it will happen too much but i do feel like guys after that it could happen Mm -hmm. a lot you know badly all right. Well, this draft is uh, shaping up to be pretty exciting, uh, somewhat of a mystery for the Flyers to me, because I'm not sure what direction they're going to end up going in. There's a lot of good options here that we've talked about, including your off. So uh, more to come on this front as we get closer. Wrapping up with our fun thing, the Flyers team picture was yesterday. And man, at first I was like, who are any of these people in this picture? I I know know who they are. I figured it out. But it was very sad to not have Claude Giroux front and center in the picture as, you know, he has been for all these many years. But uh, yeah, it's... uh, it's going to be an interesting one to look back on because I'm sure. Oh yeah, ten years from now, <laughs> yeah. I want to see you name a lot of the Flyers ten years from now. That's when it'll be a challenge. Well, it doesn't help when when the guys keep changing their look too. I was like, sure. oh my god, I forgot Risto shaved, and uh, oh man, Sean Couturier looks very clean shaved. I mean, Couturier today. looked like he went to like the neighborhood barber just before that picture, uh-huh. and he uh-huh. had and he has you know the goop in his hair. Like that's what it looks like to me. 
He never looks like that. And uh, there's somebody uh, very curiously missing from this photo. Yeah, where's Ryan Ellis? Not in the picture. Is that a metaphor? Is that a, a real thing? <sighs> Who knows? It's unbelievable. Like, it's just, it, it's the great mystery of the NHL this year. What's the injury? Where is he? Is he actually getting operated on now? These are all great things that I'm, everybody wants to know, and we have no idea. Yeah, it's, it's like a running joke at this point. <laughs> but we'll keep making it as long as they give us the fodder for it. Yep. All right, that will do it for today's show. We will be back again tomorrow uh, looking ahead to that game on Saturday against the Anaheim Ducks. We'll have our gritty thing of the week. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your Flyers questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can also email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.